here at City Church, if you've been here for any length of time, you'll know that the, the people who teach and preach here um, take great care and dedicate themselves to learning this. So Dan and Rich and Bless and others, they systematically preach through the Word of God. And that is a great privilege because there's a lot of people who try and discredit the Bible, who try and ridicule it. Um, but here at City Church, we believe that the Bible is the Word of God. We believe that it is absolutely true. We believe that there is no fault in it, that all of it, every single bit of it, is good and we can learn from. And some people might say some of it is, some of it is relevant, some of it is irrelevant. We believe all of it is relevant. And I just wanted to encourage us with that and encourage you to read it. It doesn't matter how much or how little of the Bible you know. What matters is that you believe that what you know is true and powerful and trustworthy. And that is the word of God. That is what we teach from. So we're not just randomly plucking nice thoughts from the air or giving you, you know, a thought for the day. But at City Church, and, and as we've been taught through the years, it's solid stuff. It's good stuff. Uh, because it's trustworthy and it's deep. Uh, and so I just wanted to start with that and just to encourage you, if you're new or just getting into the Word of God, love it. Take it around with you. Carry it around with you. Quote from it. Uh, learn as much as you can. I'm not great at reading, but I love reading the Bible and it, is, it, it feeds you. It gives you life. Um, has anyone here ever been called a Bible basher? Just if you put your hand up if you've been called a Bible basher. See, what a compliment. You know, it is because we want the Bible to permeate through to everything that we do. We want to quote from it. We want to be known for being people who follow this, who learn from this and whose lives are based on this. So a little ramble over. Um, into the topic I want to look at today is Jesus, the cornerstone. Um, I was going to get a picture of a cornerstone and put it up on the screen uh, and and that's something that I'm, I would be interested in. Uh, I'm, I'm in the trade myself. It's, you know, things like stones and building materials and so on can be quite interesting to me. Um, but then I remembered that not everybody finds stuff like that as interesting as I do. Dimensions of stones, weight, sizes, and so on. So I decided mm, I'm not going to get the stone on the screen because you'd probably end up with a 45-minute lecture on actual cornerstones. And so I'll save you that. And again, I was reminded that it can be the case that trade stuff can be so mind-numbingly boring to some people that well, I have a, I'll share with you a story. This is, this is really what put me off from getting into trade stuff. I was, uh, we were recently away and we were having a meal with some friends. And uh, there was quite a lot of us at the table and we were discussing different things. Um, at my end of the table, uh, we were having a chat, uh, and there was two ladies from this church um, who I was chatting with. And as as you do, we got onto the conversation of hot water cylinders, and uh, and so we we got there somehow, uh, riveting dinner conversation. And and the you know one one word that was thrown into the mix was unvented hot water cylinder. And so I was then asked the question, Tom, what is an unvented hot water cylinder? Again, something I find quite interesting. And so I was like, oh, well. And, and I was just about to start explaining what a 
unvented hot water cylinder was. But then I did stop myself and think, hmm, it's a bit boring. It's not that interesting. And so I said to these, these, these two uh, ladies, you know what? It, it doesn't matter. You know, I just, we'll leave that one alone. Yeah, I gave them an out. They were probably just trying to be polite, uh, trying to, you know, encourage me in my conversation of hot water cylinders. Um, so I gave, I gave them the, the exit strategy. But they, both of them, insisted, no, we want to know what an unvented hot water cylinder is. So I was like, fair enough, fair enough. Um, and I, I kid you not, I started to explain what an unvented hot water cylinder was. And within three words, both of them had stopped looking at me, stopped listening to me, and joined in with a different conversation. Honestly, I'd never seen anything like it. They were so bored so quickly that they just completely left the conversation. And I won't embarrass them by telling you who it was, Hannah Ronaldson and Beth Willoughby. Um, <laughs> because, you know, it's, it's not necessary. But actually, they may not, they're probably not listening to me now. Because uh, I started talking about hot water cylinders again, so it doesn't matter. They'll, they'll wake up in a minute. But, uh, so I, I've decided not to go down the route of detailed explanations of trade materials. And I, and I am also half the way through a property renovation myself at the moment. So I'm really immersed in building stuff. So I've had to fight the urge in preparing this to not really get stuck into building analogies and illustrations and talking about heating systems and stuff like that. So hopefully you'll stay with me. Hopefully what I say won't be too boring. Um, The analogy in in scripture uh, of Jesus, the cornerstone, is you, you could also translate it capstone, foundation stone, um, living stone, but we'll stick with cornerstone for today um, because, well, that's the one that we sing about in the song, so it's most familiar to us, um, and it gives Tom a, an easy option at the end uh, for a song. <laughs> I could have gone with capstone, you know, and seen if he could have shoehorned that into the song, but it wouldn't quite work, would it? Syllable-wise, it's not quite there. Um, so we'll stick with cornerstone. And a cornerstone is, very simply, um, a big stone that is very perfectly formed. And when building a building, it is the first stone that is laid. And it has to be laid very, very level. Um, because the cornerstone or foundation or whatever you want to call it will dictate the size, shape, and level of the building. And so if your cornerstone is wonky, your building is wonky. It just doesn't work. And so a cornerstone isn't just like one of many stones that's quite important, it's without the cornerstone, you don't have a building. Um, And it's the same with Jesus. Without Jesus, we have no salvation. Without Jesus, we have no creation. When he's described as the cornerstone, it's not that he's an important bit of something big, but that without Jesus... We just wouldn't have any of it. Um, but to really get hold of the analogy of the cornerstone, quite often we think of it in terms of, of a building, and we think of the New Testament examples uh, in Ephesians and 1 Peter of, of where it talks about 
the church being built on Jesus, the cornerstone. Uh, and they are wonderful verses. They're true. And we're going to look at those in a bit. But I want to draw us back a little bit to look at actually Jesus is the cornerstone throughout history and throughout time. And it's really, really important. It's really, really helpful to see Jesus like this. Um, and actually, in, in 1 Peter 2.5, he does quote some Old Testament scriptures. And one of those Old Testament scriptures is in Isaiah 28 and 16. So Isaiah 28.16, and we'll read that. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am the one who has laid a foundation in Zion, a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone of sure foundation. Whoever believes will not be in haste. I really, really love that verse because it's, it's a all-encompassing time frame verse. You've got what has right then and into the future. It's got all of that packed into that verse. Because the way that, that God is speaking isn't, uh, there will be a that I'm going to. But it's, no, I have. And it is. And so here we see a description of Jesus, the cornerstone. An eternal cornerstone. And in the surrounding verses of that passage in Isaiah, Israel are, like, like they did quite often, deciding to turn away from God, trying to go on their own path there, trying to make plans and covenants with other people to get them out of trouble, to, to basically not go with the way that God wanted them to go. And right within that, this is where they get this wonderful encouragement from God. And again, seeing the mercy of God throughout time is amazing that he constantly calls people back to himself saying, no, listen, I've got the plan. Listen to me, follow me. And he gives them this encouragement and he encourages them to believe in the one who is to come, the coming Messiah, the sure foundation. But they actually turn away and destruction swiftly follows for them. And going even further back, to looking at Jesus throughout history as the cornerstone. Um, and actually that all things are, are leading towards Jesus because that's what the cornerstone does is it, it dictates and directs the building, the shaping of all history. Is if you go back to Abraham and there's a promise given to Abraham in Genesis 28, 18. And it says, And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. A really wonderful promise, and you can think, well, okay, yeah, Abraham had kids, they had kids, they had kids, and so I guess through that, people will be blessed. But actually, Paul points out in Galatians 3.16, uh, he says, now the promise, the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring, who is Christ. And so we see that the promise made to Abraham, and this is a long, long time ago, was that Jesus is coming. People on the earth are going to be blessed through Jesus. It's all pointing towards him. And Jesus himself, he explains this to a couple of guys that he meets in Luke 24, 27. 
This is, these, these guys are uh, on a journey and they're chatting. Well, it could be a guy, a girl, it could be, yeah, it doesn't say really, but probably two blokes having a, having a chat, talking about things that had happened. Jesus at the point, you know, he'd, he'd die, they were a bit confused. They'd, they'd heard this rumor that, you know, is, is he alive, is he not? We've heard these things. And they, they met with this guy who starts to chat with them, uh, who's Jesus. And he, he begins to explain things to them. And in Luke 24, 27, it says, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. You see, to see Jesus as the cornerstone isn't just what the church is built on now. But actually, to see Jesus as the cornerstone is to see that all of history has been leading towards Jesus. All of the Old Testament, all of the prophecies, all of them lining up with Jesus, pointing towards his coming, the coming Messiah. It's so important to see Jesus throughout history as the cornerstone, the one in whom all things are culminating towards. And then, around 2,000 years ago-ish, that happened. Jesus came. And all of the things that were promised, prophesied, foreshadowed, spoken about in the Old Testament, all of those were fulfilled in Jesus. And in his life, we can see lots of stuff that happened that is, relates directly to prophecies that are in Old, Old Testament scriptures. And I haven't got time to go through all of those, but I do encourage you, go away and study those things because it's just incredible to look at all what was said and foreshadowed in scripture and see that actually Jesus fulfills it time after time in what he does, in him coming, in the way that he was born, in how he lived his life, in the way that he stayed free from sin, in how he was punished and tortured and abused and uh, shunned by his friends. All of these things are, are prophesied, are spoken about in the Old Testament, and he fulfills all of it. He came and just like we've been singing today and people have been praying out and just declaring the things that Jesus has done. It is incredible. It is mind-blowing. His blood that has covered all of sin for all of time for all people who call on his name. It's amazing. The sacrifice that he made for us. That was Jesus. And he died on the cross and in dying on the cross, took the punishment. But then he rose from the grave, victorious over sin and death. And he is now ascended into heaven, where all authority on heaven and earth is his. And so the cornerstone thing continues. It's not just things led up to Jesus. Jesus came. Wonderful. Now Jesus has gone again. Um, do we, what do we do now? Do we just take the salvation or is there more? But actually there's more. There's much, much more because now we are built on the cornerstone, on the things that Jesus has done. And we can look at those verses now. There's a, a verse in Ephesians 2, 19 to 22. And it says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, 
in, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together uh, in a dwelling place for God by his spirit. And we'll read also 1 Peter 2, verse 4 and 5. 1 Peter 2, verse 4 and 5. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So we are now at a point in history where Jesus is building his church. And the things that are spoken about in those verses are so encouraging because the Ephesians verse it's in the context of Paul encouraging some Gentiles, people who weren't Jews, basically, that they are also part of it. They are also part of this building, of this structure of the kingdom that God is building. And that is encouraging to us because we are those people as well. We are the Gentiles. We are not the Jews. And the message of Jesus has come to us. And we are built in to this household of God. It's an incredible promise. It's not a boring thing either. Often when you think of a building or a cornerstone, you can think of something that is quite set, quite structural, not much movement, and now there's a building that's kind of getting built on top of it. It could seem a bit boring. But actually, in the Peter, in 1 Peter, it describes Jesus as the living stone. And it describes us as living stones being built into it. It is a vibrant community that God is building. It is not stationary. It is not something that is dwindling. It is not something that is dead. But actually what God is building, what Jesus is building, is something that is alive. And again, in the Ephesians passage, it says right at the end there that actually what we're being built into is a dwelling place for God by his spirit. I don't know about you, but I find that incredibly encouraging. (laughs) Jesus is the cornerstone of all history. All things have been leading towards him. All things have pointed towards his coming and he has come. He has fulfilled them all. He has made a way for us to know God. He has created a way for us to be reconciled to God. And now he is building his church. And one day, like uh, Dave prayed out, I think, one day he is going to come back and bring an end to all things and we're going to be with him forever. It all culminates around Jesus. And you remember earlier I said, uh, basically, no Jesus, no nothing. <laughs> Without him, there's nothing. I think, who, who prayed this one out? Someone prayed out about uh, the only way to, I think it was Kim. Kim prayed about the fact that the only way to know God is through Jesus. It's the only way. There is no other way. No other path leads to God. Nothing else can deal with our sin. No one else can be saved unless it is through Jesus, through what he has done. And I want to, I'm I'm keeping my message reasonably short today because actually the worship time was so encouraging to me that I want to get back there. (laughs) And so I want to spur us into more worship really is what I want to do. But in summary, in, in looking at Jesus, the cornerstone there are some, some verses that I want to just share with us that, that can help us in terms of 
building on the rock. And in Matthew uh, 7, 24 and 27, there's a, a parable uh, for people who maybe aren't building on the rock. And so as Christians, um, which hopefully most of you are in here, some of you won't be, some of you won't have decided to follow Jesus yet, but we are called to build on the rock. And this parable is a, an encouragement for us to do so. And in Matthew 7, 24 and 27, it says this. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like the wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does and does not do them will be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and it was and great was the fall of it. We want to build on the rock. Uh, Susie shared, didn't she, about how things can come and seem to knock us down. But actually, if we're in Christ, we're on the rock. We're on that sure foundation. But it is possible for us as Christians to not build on the rock, to take our eyes off Jesus and to try and build things in our own strength, to try and go our own way, to look to our own needs uh, and to neglect the church or what God is building. And there's a, a stark verse in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 3, uh, 10 to 15, that comes to us as a warning, it comes to us actually as an encouragement. Come on, you know, this life isn't just pointless. It isn't, oh, my sins are forgiven, real. That's it then. No, God calls us into a life for him. And, and this, uh, these verses are, are, are quite stark in how they warn us. And so in 1 Corinthians 3, 10 to 15, it says, according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I, lay a found, I, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Christ Jesus, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burnt up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through the fire. This is why I wanted to share this with us today. Because it's so key to remember and to view Jesus as the cornerstone, as the center, as the meaning of it all, as the one in whom we trust for everything, the one in whom we give our whole life to, the one in whom we submit totally to. Because in the end, we will hold before God our life's work, what we have done, and it will be tested with fire. Now, I don't want all that I've done just to be turned into ashes in my hands and to be one who's almost like escaping through the flames. But I want to be one who is building on the rock, 
who has committed myself to build what Jesus is building, to see him as the cornerstone and commit myself to him. Because then, in the end, what is tested will remain and will be rewarded. And that comes as an encouragement for us today. In preparing this, I, I felt that as people maybe just ponder and think on Jesus as the cornerstone, actually what can happen, what happens and what I hope will happen is as you look to Jesus again, maybe if you've taken your eyes off the ball, if you've started to try and live in your own strength, maybe if like Alistair was sharing, something bad has happened to you that you weren't expecting and you're thinking, ah, can I trust Jesus? Can I put my faith in him? Well, actually, the truth is knowing Jesus as the cornerstone is the most comforting truth you can know because he is solid. He is unmovable. What is being built on him and what has led up to him is not too much for him to bear. He can bear it all because he is God because he is Jesus. And so as you lift your gaze to look at Jesus again as cornerstone, the meaning of it all, everything leading up to him, everything pointing towards him, creation being made through him, the one in whom all things hold together, the one in whom only salvation can be found, we can have a sure, solid, rock-solid faith that he will not let us down, that he will not abandon us, He will heal. He will transform. He will save. He will build his church. He will deal with deep-rooted issues of sin and depression and mindsets. He will do it because he is who he is. He's the cornerstone of history. Lift your eyes to see him as who he is. I've shared quite a lot of verses. (laughs) And I'd love it if you dug into those in your core groups, in your house groups, And just really pondered on the things of God, Jesus, the cornerstone. Because one of the things, and I felt, this is, I'm just wrapping up now, but one of the things I felt in my heart that he was wanting to do this morning and ongoingly was, and this, sorry, this is a building analogy, but as I've been renovating this property, uh, you can look at a room and it can seem okay. It seems fine. But actually, if you begin to go and knock on the walls, or when you begin to remove a carpet, or you begin to try and peel off wood chip paint, nightmare, suddenly what is revealed can be quite different to what maybe is on the surface. Jesus is building his church. And in that 1 Peter verse, it talks about us as living stones being built in. That sometimes takes a bit of knocking, a bit of leveling, a bit of shaping as Jesus shapes us, changes us, molds us, builds us into his family to make him more like himself. And I felt that actually today he wants to do some knocking and some pulling and revealing because actually sometimes what is behind what seems okay is actually a bit rotten. There's been something niggling away, issues of sin, uh, whatever it might be. God wants to come and remind you he's the cornerstone. He's the one worth trusting. He is the master craftsman who is building all things. And quite often we want to give Jesus some but not all. 
my encouragement is, as we look at Jesus, the cornerstone today, is to say, no, Jesus, have it all. I'm all in for your kingdom. I'm all in for the things that you are building. Shape me. Change me. When you strip back a wall and take all the plaster off, you go back to brick. And it can seem a bit chaotic, a bit messy, a bit dusty. But actually, when the skilled craftsman comes in and puts on that new layer of plaster or whatever, and then it's painted up, it's something that is made right. It's something that has a sure foundation. And actually, it is worth the disruption. It is worth letting God reveal things and challenge you and you having to confess sin and maybe feel vulnerable. It's worth making yourself available to others and saying, challenge me, change me. I want to be sharpened. I want to be more like Jesus because he is building his church. And friends, in this city, he is going to build his church. And that is through us. So can we this morning fix our eyes again on Jesus, the cornerstone of history, the one in whom it is absolutely 100% certain you can put your trust in? If you don't know him, please come and speak to us today because we can tell you all about what he has done and you can know Jesus. You can know what he's done and you can be made new. You can become one of these living stones that is being built into the building of God. And so I'm going to invite the band to come back up um, and I'm going to pray for us. As I said earlier, actually quite an appropriate response to this is to declare. In a minute, we're going to change microphones. To declare the wonders of Jesus. All these songs, one of my favorite songs is is before the throne of God above. I just love that song. It's just like one of those like, oh, Jesus, you know, it's awesome. We are his children What he has done for us is incredible. And he has said that he wants to dwell among us by his spirit. That the household that he is building is so that God's presence can be among us. Now, I don't know about you, but when God's presence turns up, things happen. People get changed. People get set free. People fall on their knees, maybe for the first time, and declare Jesus is king and he reigns and I want to follow him. So that's what I want us to do in response, is to worship Jesus with all our hearts, with everything we've got, to remind ourselves he is the one who it was all about, who came and fulfilled it all and is going to fulfill everything he wants and then he's going to come back and bring an end to it all for his ultimate glory. That is our Jesus. So, Lord, I just pray 